when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silver and black today.com and now your host evan Grote. let's go raider nation welcome back again to another episode of just pod baby brought to you by silver and black today and our sponsors over at manscape.com bringing you the best in men's blow the waist grooming the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 it's a great premium product and you can save yourself 20% off plus free shipping with the code PODBABY at manscaped.com. On tonight's show, we're going to get into a bunch of different topics. We're kind of going to, it's like a smorgasbord, really, okay? That's a smorgasbord of Raiders football tonight on the show. Uh, we're not going to recap last week's Thursday night football game, but I do want to touch on a, one of the big takeaways from the game. It's been a topic that's been discussed at great length over the past couple of days, and that is John Gruden's play calling especially late in the game. I'll give you some of my thoughts on that. I'm also going to touch on some of the news and notes from the week. And there's uh, there's only two games remaining in the season. The playoffs are not going to happen this year for this team. But w- what are some of the things that you're looking for in the next two games here for the Raiders? And also, we're going to be joined by good friend Mo Moten. Just for a quick segment, we want to catch up with him. Uh, it's been about a week since we talked to him. Uh, so I want to get some of his thoughts as well. But tonight, I want to I want to begin the show with something a little different. I want to begin with a heart to heart chat with Raider Nation, and I'm going to put on my dad hat right now. I'm going to put on my my teacher hat, and I, I want to have a sit down with with some of the fans out there. Now I apologize if this if this comes off as me getting up on my soapbox and lecturing, uh, but I, but I do think it needs to be said. I was embarrassed uh, over the last couple of days with some of the stuff that I've been reading online from fans about the players, okay? And I get that Twitter can be very toxic. I know that. Maybe I should just get off. You know, I, I don't know. And I also understand that that Twitter makes up a very small portion of the fan base, and by no means is it a representation of the fan base as a whole, and I'm sure that you guys out there listening right now, you're not the ones doing this sort of thing, okay? I know I'm not, and I, and I hope that you're not as well, but I got to say, it is sickening, some of the stuff that I was reading. I'm amazed at how quickly a fan can turn on a player, especially a young player who hasn't even finished their second season in the league. A player who in their rookie year had a very, very good productive year. I saw people over the weekend bad-mouthing Trayvon Mullen, bashing Max Crosby, trashing Josh Jacobs. What is the matter with these people? Personally attacking them, personally threatening them, insulting them. I just don't understand the entitlement that some fans have. Who do they think they are? And the, and the thing that I that I really love about all of this and when these fans attack these players is they wouldn't say a word to Max Crosby's face. 
Okay, they wouldn't say a word to Josh Jacobs if he was standing there in front of them. They wouldn't have the guts to do it. It's cowardly. They would not do it. I guarantee it. And I totally understand being upset and mad about a performance. I get it. I've been there plenty of times where this team has has let let me down or, you know, ruined my day, ruined my week. I get it. I understand Trayvon Mullen played an awful game on Thursday night. It was terrible. Probably the worst game of his career. I understand that. But to attack the guy on social media, to to threaten him, to, to say things about him personally, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. And I've got no problem being critical of a player. I do it on here plenty. I do it on here plenty. I'm very critical of players at times. And I, and I think that we as fans who live and die by every play, every win, every loss, we, we have the right. You know, we've, we've earned the right to praise players when they do things well and to criticize and to point out things that we'd like to see them do better, players and coaches alike. But so many times, fans cross the line and it turns into these personal attacks that have nothing to do with football. It's nothing that's constructive. It is not constructive criticism one bit. It's personal attacks. It's personal insults. And it makes me ashamed to be a part of this fan base at times. It really does. It's embarrassing. It really is. And those people, they don't represent me, that's for sure. And they don't represent you either. So, again, I apologize for the rant, but I I, I wanted to make sure that I got that off my chest. It really bothered me uh, over the past couple of days. All right, let's get into some quick news and notes from the week. I'm sure you saw it by now. Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, they were both named to the Pro Bowl for the first time. Uh, great accomplishment for them. Now, the game's not actually going to be played this year, so you're not going to get to see them in any kind of action, but a nice bit of personal recognition for them, um, for those two guys, and it's, it's very well-deserved, um, especially Darren Waller. When you think about the road that he has taken uh, in his life, it, it's really just kind of... Uh, a great story, and it just continues to, to get better and better for him. Uh, we also have some some COVID updates. The day after the game, I'm sure you saw this as well, Daryl Worley was placed on the COVID list. Uh, I think his was he was placed on the list on Friday. Isaiah Johnson was placed on the list on Saturday. And then on Monday, Eric Harris joined them. Now, I've, I still have not heard for certain it sounds like Worley might have tested positive, and it's likely that Harris and Johnson were put on the list for being close contact. But as long as everything checks out with both Harris and Johnson, they would be eligible to return later this week, and I'm assuming would be available for the game on Saturday. I'm not sure how much practice Gruden's going to want them to get in. He may not have an option, uh, depending on you know some of these other injuries and and. You know how how these other guys are coming back. Damon Arnett being one of them. I, I did see he was limited at practice coming off of his um, concussion and, and John Abrams and whatnot. So uh, that's going to also play a big role in, in that decision as well. And uh, we we still don't know about Derek Carr and his status. Uh, he did get a limited practice in uh, today on Tuesday. Um, it sounds like he's going to be doing everything he can to get out there. He he's a guy that 
has shown that he can play with some injuries. He played with broken bones in his back. Um, he had that broken finger, or not broken finger, but that that dislocated finger a couple years ago. I think it was 2016 against the, the Panthers, if you recall. So he has shown that he'll, he's willing to play through some some injuries if if he needs to. But um, I, I did see, I, I follow Dr. David Chow, the pro football doctor on Twitter. I'm sure a lot of you guys do as well. Uh, he's a great follow. Um, he, he was saying Thursday night last week that, a, a, a strain, um, a growing strain of that nature is, is normally a multiple week injury. So I don't think we'll see Carr, but um, I, I do think it's safe to say we'll, we'll see Mariota at least for one more week. Um, and I got to be honest, I, I you know Carr has done a great job this year. There's no debating it. Anyone out there who who disagrees is just is just hating on Carr, and they're not looking at things objectively. He's done a really good job. This offense has improved in a, in a lot of areas, but it was a lot of fun to watch Mariota out there. I, I think dual quarterbacks are just a little bit more entertaining to watch because they can they can do so many more things, right? And, and I, there's nothing wrong with saying that. There's nothing wrong uh, admitting that. Just to see what this offense looks like with that added dimension. And uh, you know, I heard your boy Q last week on Silver and Black today. It was on Friday. They were talking about. Mariota and his performance and 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 say what you want about Carr as I said I think he's done a nice job this year but I do think it's time to start grooming you know that next guy you see what the Eagles have done with Jalen Hurts and who would have thought that that Wentz would have had the season that he had I think a lot of people actually criticized the Eagles when they drafted Jalen Hurts they kind of were like whoa where's you know they it was unexpected but look what happened, right? Look what happened. Wentz is is having a terrible year. Hurts has stepped in the last two weeks. He's played really well. He's given that offense a, a kind of a jolt of, of energy. They they've come up short uh, this last past week. But but you know you can see and and I think that you know there's nothing wrong with 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 thinking that the, the Gruden and, and the organization needs to start thinking about maybe life after Carr and 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 start to think about bringing someone in, maybe a young guy that, that they can start, you know, grooming really. And cause you know, cars contract that, that is, it's coming up soon and, and who knows what those negotiations will bring, but they better have a backup plan. That's all I can say. Um, so I, I, I do agree with Q. I'd like to see, um, when they decide to, you know, bring someone in to start grooming that guy. I, I do hope it's, it's someone with that dual threat, Ability, not necessarily a a running quarterback like a Lamar Jackson, but someone that you can run some of those RPO actions with, some of that read option. That that stuff really takes your offense to a, a whole nother level and and makes you that much more difficult um, to 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 defend. And and more importantly, you know that guy's got to be someone that can extend plays. Uh, with his legs. Not only do they have to be a good thrower of the football, but they have to be able to extend plays and, and be able to escape the pocket. And that is an area where, where Carr's gotten much better this year. So uh, that is a good sign as well. Um, okay, uh, let me move on to my next topic here. Um, it's, it's the final topic here in segment one. And I, I told you guys uh, it would be a smorgasbord of topics. So I apologize if I'm kind of going all over the place here. But um, I want I want to talk about John Gruden for for just a minute and and his decision on that third down uh, from from the five yard line in overtime. It's been talked about a lot at this point. I'm sure you've you've you're probably exhausted 
from of the topic, but I, I do want to get some of my thoughts out there. Listen, you have a chance to win that game in overtime. You, you're at the five-yard line. You've, you've driven all the way down the field, third down, and you decide to roll your quarterback to the short side of the field. You have your best weapon in Darren Waller lined up on the opposite end of the formation, blocking. Okay, you, you run... It looked like some sort of variation of of, of Spider Two, Spider Two Y Banana, right? His favorite play of all time. There's got to be a better play call on that sheet. There, got to be. You cannot tell me that with your season on the line, your season in the balance, that's your go-to play. Three tight ends, two running backs. You've got Foster Morrow running a route to the kind of to the back of the the end zone. You've got Josh Jacobs kind of running a little hook route. And then you've got Alec Ingold. No no offense to Alec Ingold. Great fullback. Great fullback. Great lead blocker. But that can't be your best option on third and goal from the five-yard line with your season out of the line. I know a lot of people were, were, were hoping to see maybe another one of those RPOs. Mariota was averaging like nine yards a carry. Maybe the read option... Give Mariota a chance to make a play. I would have liked to see some sort of maybe like a rub play, a pick play. Okay, I recall earlier in the season as well where they had some success on a play where Carr, you know, you want to roll your quarterback out, fine. Roll him to the short side, throw back against the grain. I remember him hooking up with Darren Waller on a play like that. Something, anything would have been better than what we saw on Thursday night. So I'm down on Gruden for that, and I and I think it's fair to criticize him in this. I, I the guy's making a ton of money. He's considered a, a great offensive play caller, but what we've seen in some instances this season that he's left some to be desired. Right? It's just it has not been great. Red zone offense. This team is 24th in the league right now, 56%, and that's scoring touchdowns. That doesn't include field goals. All right, and uh, over the last three games. Th- they're they're fifty uh, percent, so it, it's dropped in the last three games. Now that is an improvement from last season. It's slight. It's a slight improvement, but twenty fourth in the league overall. That's still not great. Okay, they need to continue to get better. At the end of the day, the team is not playing well right now. It's the most important part of the season. The last two years down the stretch, the team has underperformed. After starting six and four in twenty nineteen. And six and three in 2020. That is reflection on the coach. And, and before we get to our our, our first break, I, I do want to play one piece of audio that I have of Gruden, and this came from last week's press conference on Friday following the loss to the Chiefs. He was asked about the team's performance down the stretch here in the last two seasons. Let's take a listen to what Gruden had to say. <laughs> Well, I just named about 10 players that were missing. I think that has a little something to do with it. I think, you know, I'm not going to ever use excuses, but I've never been in a game where you where you lose so many players and you had so many players missing going into it. Uh, we were beat up big time last year, and we just haven't been able to stay healthy down the stretch. But um, these are winnable games. I've got to do a better job helping our team find a way to win. And I apologize there. I said following the the Chiefs' loss, and that was actually the Chargers' loss. My fault there. But there you heard Gruden uh, respond to that question. And, you know, he says, and one thing he says, well, I'm not going to make a lot of excuses, but 
on the other hand, he's he gives a lot of excuses, right? I mean, we've been hearing these excuses for two years now. And and I know that that injuries are are a concern. I know that COVID has played a factor, but every team deals with it. Every team. So I'm I'm tired of hearing about the injuries. Get your guys to play better. And it's worth noting that many coaches around the league, if they were in the same situation as Gruden, they would have lost their job for this type of performance. But Gruden's safe. He's safe. He's in the third year of a 10-year contract. Mark Davis loves him. And so his job is safe. And I'm not saying he should be fired. I'm not, I'm not, it's not what I'm getting at. I just want to hear him stop with the excuses. I'm tired of hearing about injuries. You got to deal with it. Then build more depth. Put, you know, when you're when you're out there adding players, you got it. You got to account for injuries. You can't assume that players are going to go through a full season and not get hurt. Do a better job building a deeper roster. It's all part of it. He's got some big decisions coming up as to who he, who he's going to hire as his next defensive coordinator. There's some really attractive candidates out there. I I hope, you know, we we see some names like Wade Phillips. Maybe Dan Quinn, Rex Ryan's being tossed around. Maybe it's Raheem Morris if he's not retained by the Falcons. But he's got to nail this. He's got to nail this. He has to. The future success of this team rides on the improvement of the defense. The offense is competitive enough. They, they can get you to the playoffs. If there's a defense there that's competent, that, that, can, that can be a, a middle-of-the-road defense, this team can make the playoffs. I really do believe that. I really do believe that. Okay, let's get to a quick break, and, and when we return, we'll catch up with our guy Mo Moten, and we're going to discuss a few different topics with him as well as get ready for this Week 16 matchup versus the Miami Dolphins. We're back here on Just Pod Baby. Christmas week. Also week 16 in the NFL. I'm going to let this one play for a minute. We need a little bit of cheer in our lives right now after the 2020 we've all endured. Santa's on his way. He's filled his sleigh with things. Things for you and for me. It's the A little Frank Sinatra was appropriate for a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. This is one of my favorites this time of year. But let, let's get back to business here. It's uh, week 16 in the NFL. And I want to go ahead and, and bring in our our good friend, co-host of the Monday Night Recap episode here on Just Pod Baby. He's also a senior columnist for us at Silver and Black today. He's also a featured NFL columnist on Bleacher Report. And I like to refer to him as the voice of reason in Raider Nation. That's Mo Moten. Mo, we haven't spoken about a week. The Raiders lost a heartbreaker to the Chargers last week on Thursday Night Football. Mathematically, you still have a like a 1% chance at making the playoffs. But by all means, the hopes are dead. I hope you've had some, some comments 
calming words for the listeners tonight. So, so you mean to tell me you don't think the Raiders are going to win out, and the Dolphins are going to lose out, and the Ravens are going to lose out, and the, Raver, and the Raiders get in? You mean that's not going to happen? No, I, do, I don't see that happening. <laughs> I you know I I, I I talked about being uh, last week when I was on with Scott and Q about being a, a half glass empty kind of thinker. I, I don't see it happening. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to you know have a chance, but I'm just saying. The Giants are a scrappy team, and we just saw the Bengals beat the Steelers last night, and that's who the Ravens have their last two games with. So I'm just saying, if if you know, the Dolphins also have the Bills in the last week. So I'm just saying, stranger things have happened. But uh, but you're correct. By all means, the Raiders have no business in the playoffs because they're not playing like a playoff team. So I I I for one will say I don't give them a great chance of beating the Dolphins Saturday the day after Christmas. But we'll see. But we'll get into it today. Just want to give a quick shout out, Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. Congrats to those guys for making a Pro Bowl. Absolutely. Very well deserved. And, and I agree. Uh, th- this team has, has not given us any reason to think that uh, they're all of a sudden going to start playing better here. And it's been a tough month to, to be a, a Raiders fan. There's there's no doubt about it. Really, when you go all the way back to the, the second Chiefs game, I think that was really when the wheels started to, to fall off, despite many of us thinking, wow, th- this team, they, they played the Chiefs down to the wire. You know, we, we thought that was a great thing, but really, little did we know that that's, that's would be the beginning of the end here. And But that's where we are. We're one win in the last four games, 7-7 seven and seven with two games to play. Playoffs no longer in the card. Uh, but there's still a lot I want to discuss with you here, Mo. First, we haven't had the chance to, to discuss this yet. I want to go over that that third down play call by by Gruden uh, versus the Chargers last week in overtime. Uh, I, I still can't believe that was the best thing he could dial up in that situation. And I know that we're a couple days past that, but I did want to get some of your thoughts on that play and just the struggles overall that they've had recently in the red zone. Yeah, just like you, I was kind of shocked at what the setup was. Basically, 23 personnel, two running backs, three tight ends on the field. And what's baffling is not only did Gruden shrink the field to one half, you know, one half of the field going right to Alec Engel, who all respect to Alec Engel, he he usually has one or two catches a game, and you're like, there's the fullback play that Gruden loves. But I don't think you do that on a third down call when you when you could win the game in overtime and shut the charges out. And you just again you shrink the field, number one. Number two, you have Darren Waller, your best pass catcher, on the opposite side of the field. Darren Waller is in blocking on the left side, and he has Mariota running to the right toward. Alec Ingle, I think I believe Josh Jacobs is also on that side. But you have your best pass catcher on the opposite side of the field when you shrink the field in half. It just didn't make sense to me. You didn't give Mariota a lot of options. I know a lot of people say, well, Mariota did a lot of good things. But his passes weren't all that accurate throughout the game. So I don't think it was a good idea to shrink the field and then have your best pass catcher on the opposite side on a crucial call, third down call. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you had to say there. Really just a baffling play call there to, to as you said shrink the field have your best guy pass blocking I mean who he, I heard um I was listening to you your spot last week on on silver and black today and you guys I because I didn't get a chance to hear you live last week so I was listening to it today actually and I heard you guys talking about not trying to be the smartest guy in the room sometimes right just mm-hmm. just doing what you, you know putting your best foot forward really and i and i think that's was an example of gruden maybe trying to outsmart people by saying oh we're gonna we're gonna leave waller in as a decoy leaving blocking though you know they're never going to expect that uh that may have been a good example of that what do you think 
yeah, the ele- you, you take the element of surprise too far. Sometimes, and you just said it, and I said it on the show last week, sometimes you just have to do whatever's working at the time or whatever you do best. Stick to that. Don't try to outsmart the room and say, okay, we're going to take this defense by surprise by giving them something they're not expecting. Now, you could do that over the course of the game because you want to change your game plan so you're not predictable. But when it's down to the clutch and it's crunch time and you need to play your go-to guy, do what you do best or do what's working. And at that time, Mariota's running the ball pretty well. Even though he was off of his passes, he did hit Waller on a couple. who had to throw a touchdown pass to Waller as well. Give the ball to your best players or give your best play. Don't, don't do a play that you either A, hasn't worked in the game or something just fresh out of the box that you're just experimenting with. Again, on a third down, a crucial third down, which are which basically your playoff hopes on the line. Do something that you know you can execute. And I, I feel like Gruden went away from that, and that was part of the Raiders' downfall. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about the game, um, but while we're on the topic of Gruden, let's just let's just stick with that. Uh, you know, he hasn't yet completed his third full season uh, in, in his second stint. There's obviously still two games left, and, and the outcome of those two games could could change your your mind slightly here um, with the question I'm going to ask you, but. Are you pleased right now where we currently stand? Are you are you pleased with the progress in the last three years? Or, or do you think that after missing the playoffs again, that, that things are a little bit behind schedule? I think things are a little bit behind schedule. And we touched on this last week when we asked, I asked you the question, would you be okay if the Raiders had went 10-6 and six but missed the playoffs? Now, obviously, now they can't go 10-6. and six. Now, the best they could do is a 9-7. and seven. And likely miss the playoffs, but I'm still hearing a lot of people here. I'm hearing a lot of people say, "Well, nine and seven is still an upgrade from seven and nine. You go from four and twelve to seven and nine to nine and seven. It is still progress, even though you don't make the playoffs." And I will say, yeah, that is true. But if you look at the way, two things: if you look at the way Gruden has finished and the Raiders have finished the last two seasons, you had opportunities to go to the playoffs, and your team and his team fell apart. You know, going six and three and then and then finishing the season nine and seven isn't great. Um, <laughs> I mean, you just do the math. It's, it's a collapse. And not only is it a collapse, it's it's starting to turn into a pattern because, again, this happened last year. And I was one of the, the fools who came on a show, this show and other shows that said, you know what? This year is going to be different. The Raiders are different. They have more depth. They understand what's at stake. They went through this last year. They're prepared and all this other stuff. And we get base. I don't want to say the same result because still two games left, but basically you get a collapse at the end of the season when you could have made the playoffs. So to me, I think in your third season, I believe Q said this on Silver and Black today last week, when you go into a third season with a new head coach and you tear things down, that third season you're expecting to make the playoffs or at least be in the hunt last week. The Raiders may not even be in the hunt come week 17 and to me that 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 falls on Gruden and then a, little, a lot of people say well the defense if the defense is better the defense is better and I'll touch on that later but Gruden is the guy that hired Paul Gunther and he fired Paul Gunther too late so that also falls on his shoulders really quick I will read one stat to you and I'll just leave that leave it at that 
Josh DeBow tweeted, of 82 head coaches hired since 2000 with three-plus full seasons, 61 of them made the playoffs in their first three seasons. Gruden would be the 21st not to do so if the Raiders missed the playoffs this year. Only one went on to make the playoffs after that third season, after not making it in that third season, and that was Jason Garrett with the Dallas Cowboys. So Gruden, if he eventually makes the playoffs in his fourth year or beyond, he would only be the second coach. The second coach would do it in his first four years and miss in his first three. So not looking good for the Raiders. Uh, of course, anything could happen. We could see a rebuild and we could see a slow build up to the playoffs. We'll see. But again, for the first three full seasons, it's a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you there. Um, I, w- I would definitely say things are probably a little bit further behind than than most fans would like to see. Although I will say... Uh, I'm not, I don't recall what you predicted, but I I, pre, I predicted a, a nine and seven record this year. So that technically is still it's still possible. Uh, for, so from that standpoint, I guess you know I, it, you know I I you, had, you you know we talked about it in August. I said nine and seven. So to me, they're they're right kind of where they where I thought they would be. I think the big difference is. Well, there's a couple of things. At the beginning of the season, I would have thought nine and seven probably would have got you into the playoffs, but the AFC conference has just been so so good this year. I didn't expect there to be so many ten win teams. Uh, well, possibly ten win teams if the if the Ravens can get there and the Dolphins along with the Browns. I think there were a couple of teams that maybe surprised, but um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I agree, and I think I think also the way they finish the season, and we've talked about this before. Just regardless if they win these final two games or not. They didn't end the season the way they they should have. The schedule looked like it was lining up re- really well for them at when they, when they were six and three. And, and the, to go uh, to win one game in your final four, or your n- next four, I guess I should say, or next five, um, just just not a real good finish. So I, I agree with you. Um, and one other thing that I wanted to quickly mention, and you talked about him being the guy who brought in Gunther, that was his right-hand man. And I agree. He also was the guy who, who fired Brenston Buckner. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people out there, you know, I, I hear on Raider Nation Radio, oh, we got to get Buckner back and all that. Now, I, I that's not going to happen. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and I'm not saying Buckner was, was the next, uh, you know, uh, great defensive of mind, but the the stats don't lie. I mean, the, the defense showed the defensive line showed improvement over him. Gruden goes out, brings in his old buddy Marinelli, and in my opinion, the defensive line got worse. So uh, you know, these are the things that when when you're the shot caller, you know, you you gotta you you have to live with those things when they backfire on you as well. So uh, I do want to move on though. I, I want to talk about. I want to get back to the game. And I want to talk about Mariota's performance for a minute. Um, 226 yards, one touchdown, 88 yards. He did have that costly interception, but, but overall for, for a guy who hadn't taken a snap, uh, all year, I can't imagine he's seen many of those first team reps in practice. Uh, what did you think of the way he played? I think he used his skill set really well. Of course, they, you know, ran a lot of the zone reads with him and that worked. I will say, and Derek Carr mentioned this today that, you know, when you when you pop into the game and we all know Mariota's skill set is different than Derek Carr's. Mariota much better on his on his feet. Derek Carr much better with his arm. Uh, when the defense doesn't have, well, I should say didn't prepare for you. I don't want to say it's easier, but they're not prepared for Mariota and his skill set. So I, I'm not taking anything away from him. Again, he used his skill set to his advantage and it worked and then he played well in that sense. 
But as I mentioned earlier in the show, he did miss some throws. But I believe he gave the Raiders defense a different wrinkle, something else to prepare for. And I will write a piece on on Silver Black today about this. I think Mariota should get more snaps in these final two games, whether Derek Carr is ready to play or not. I, I believe they should, should have a couple of packages for him just to get a better look at him going forward. It will help Gruden plan for the future. But again, I think Mariota did well with what he had with the defense in front of him. So I want to give him credit for that. You know, that's a great point too. That's, that's a great point. That's something I, I really hadn't considered, uh, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. When, when you're, when you're preparing for one style of quarterback and then obviously that changes mid game, you're, mm-hmm. you're not going to be prepared for that, that style. The offense did change. Obviously we, we saw more quarterback running and the RPOs and things like that. So great point. But I got to admit, uh, I thought it was a lot of fun to, to watch Mariota out there on Thursday night, just to see what, what Gruden can do with with a, a kind of a dual threat quarterback, just that that added layer to the offense. It was it was fun to watch, uh, and I and I gotta say I am concerned because I'm afraid what might happen. Let's say Carr can't can't go this weekend, and uh, I did see he did get a limited practice in today. But let's say let's say Mariota gets the start this week and and plays well again. I'm sure you've already seen some of the people out there saying Mariota, he's the long term app, he's the answer. You're right, right. Get rid of Carr, don't bring him back. Let's hold the phone, right? I mean, it was one good performance, but you know how this fan base can get. They get a little carried away, right? Yeah, they're carried away already. It's already starting, and I I haven't tweeted much this week because I've been really busy, but just really quick. Mariota is very good with his legs. We just saw that. But with that comes risk, and with a quarterback who runs a lot, he gets hit more. Mariota has been out eight games in his first five seasons DC, Derek Carr has missed two in, in seven seasons. As you saw on 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 that in that game last Thursday, Mariota got hit a lot. Now he's putting his body on the line and people admire that, but the injuries do come. And this is why he came into uh, Raiders camp. He had a shoulder, I believe, and an ankle injury. So again, Mariota, I've watched some Tennessee Titans games and there, I remember one distinct game where the Tennessee Titans were trying to clinch a playoff spot and they lost with Mariota on the sideline because he was hurt. I believe he had a nerve injury, and they lost to the Colts in the final week of the season. The Colts wound up going to the playoffs with Andrew Luck. But again, Mariota is is great with his legs, but again, with that comes some risk. And with a quarterback, you need a guy to be available. And DC said it today. He said one of the things Gruden told him is that one of the main things is availability. And Mariota could do all these great things with his, with his legs, but if he's hurt and he's on the sideline after all of this, it doesn't matter because he can't play. So again, he's going to have to, if he's going to be the guy anywhere, whether it's the Raiders, I don't think it's with the Raiders, but anywhere he goes, he's going to have to learn to slide and save his body at times. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's shift our attention to uh, the final two games of the season. Nothing to play for really other than pride at this point. And and there's some guys out there who are you know playing for jobs, maybe even auditioning for a, a new one. Maybe some of these guys will be with new teams next year. Who knows? But what are some of the things that you're going to be looking for from this team over the next two weeks? Man, Evan, you are not buying that 1% playoff chance. All right, you are not <laughs> biting on it. But, <laughs> but I'll, I'll go along with the question. I, I think I want to see defensive improvements um, really quick. Will Compton answered a question from, I believe it was Raider Cody, say, answering a question about Gunther. And basically with under Gunther, the Raiders – Defense had no direction. There was a blame game going on when the mistakes happened. 
Uh, he basically said that Gunther, as a teacher, just didn't check all the boxes with motivation and things of that, and communication and things of that matter. I want to see more of that in the final two weeks under Rob Marinelli uh, for the for the going forward, because we all we figure that the Raiders are going to eventually hire a new defensive coordinator full time, and Marinelli will continue in his role as a defensive line coach. So you just want to see improvements going on for that momentum going into the offseason. And I mentioned uh, briefly. A couple of minutes ago, I just want to see a little more of Mariota kind of in that Taysom Hill-like role. I know Taysom Hill does a lot of other things, but I just want to see Mariota in some packages, have him run those zone reads, and just see what they could do with him. Because if they showcase Mariota, let's say Derek Carr does not play next uh, on Saturday against the Dolphins and Mariota does well again. I'm not saying he should be the quarterback of the Raiders going forward, but maybe the Raiders are able to trade him for a mid round, a middle round pick, and they can use that middle round pick on a defensive player in a draft. Who knows? Because people will say, well, what's a middle round pick? No one cares about a middle round pick. Max Crosby was a fourth round pick. So you can get a guy, a defensive player who can make a difference, maybe at, at any position at safety or whatever, just a depth player who turns into a starter. So I think they can showcase Mariota one if they want to keep him going forward next year because he does have one more year in his contract Two, if they decide to trade him in the offseason if another team looks at him and says maybe we can continue to revive this guy's career yeah good good stuff there and you know i you, you talked about the defense there when at the beginning of your your statement there and and one of the things that um i i find interesting i was starting to look at the matchup with the dolphins here uh, is is the trajectory of these two teams? Keep in mind, I'm not sure how many people recall this or even remember this. Miami was a was a five win team a year ago, and that was uh, Brian Flores's first season as a head coach. And they had a lot of money to spend uh, in free agency, and they they hit big on a couple of, of guys, in particular uh, Byron Jones, the cornerback, who the Raiders were said to be after. They they got him and 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 I was looking at some other numbers today. They have gotten 19 sacks from the combination of Emmanuel Agba, Shaq Lawson, and Kyle Van Noy. All three of those guys were brought in through free agency. And um the Dolphins defense ranked dead last in points allowed in 2019. They gave up 30 points a game in 2019. And and now they have the number 1 defense in that category. So that should give Raider fans some hope that that you know what things can turn around a lot quicker than than you think, especially if you can can hit on some of those free agents, which they did not really do last year. All right, they, I think Kwiatkowski is really the only guy that they has come in and contributed. Uh, and part of that, you talked about Gunther. They got to bring in a competent coach as well. Yeah, and and goes back to the other question about are am I disappointed with the rebuild? You mentioned it. The Miami Dolphins were basically in the same situation as the Raiders in, when the Raiders are going into their first season of Gruden. They the Dolphins had three first round picks last year. They had a whole, as you said, they had a whole bunch of money. Uh, that now they drafted a quarterback who's now a rookie starting in Tua Tungavaloa, but. Again, these rebuilds, as you just mentioned, can happen really quick. So if you're looking at the Dolphins' game plan now, they have obviously a better defensive uh, scheme and coaching over there. So there's a difference. But their offense isn't a light them up offense. I believe they're middle of the pack. And Tua, is, if you watch him, he's not lighting up defenses. So I think this could be a close game if you're looking at this from a preview. But also, if you're looking at it at, from a rebuild perspective, uh, again, the Raiders going to their fourth year, there should be no excuses. Uh, the Dolphins have, have changed things around and they were able to 
get in the thick of the playoff race in, in Brian, Brian Flores' second year. So, again, the Raiders have to pick it up. John Gruden has to pick it up. And it starts with gaining some momentum in these last two games. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, this, this uh, as I said, this Dolphins defense is legit. Uh, they turn you over a ton. They lead the league in, in turnovers. Uh, and I said uh, points allowed, 18 points a game. And if the Raiders don't show up to play, they might get embarrassed again. I, I mean, I don't want to see that. This is this is a must-win game for the Dolphins, assuming that the Baltimore Ravens win their next two. The only way for Miami to get into playoffs is also to win their next two games. So, uh, you know, because they do hold the tiebreaker over the Ravens. I did see that as well. So Raiders got a very good team, really motivated team coming into Vegas this week with a lot on the line. And, and they better come to play or else it's going to be another long night for them. Can you believe that the Raiders could possibly lose three straight at home down the stretch when they had a chance to make the playoffs? That that is that is disappointing. <laughs> it certainly is, and it certainly isn't. And we're going to have a lot to get into this off season for sure. So uh, we're we're going to have a lot of good conversations there, and we're we're going to get into all of that here in, in the coming weeks. But Mo, I, I thank you as always for joining me. I love chatting Raiders football with you. We're going to do it again next week. We'll plan on the Monday recap. We'll get back on our normal schedule. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you have a, a very merry Christmas, Mo. Uh, merry Christmas to you, and appreciate everyone listening. Enjoy your holidays, everyone. We'll be back next week. That's right, Mo. You will hear us next week. Uh, We'll be back with the normal Monday recap episode. And let's hope it's celebrating uh, our Raiders win because they desperately need one. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's edition. Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote. Uh, Again, I want to wish everyone out there happy holidays, Merry Christmas. I appreciate everyone out there who subscribes to the show and listens each and every week. Do me a favor, leave us a rating and a review. I'm always looking for feedback and ways to improve the show. All right, guys, take care. We'll touch base with you next week. And as always, just win, baby.